0: Let's rock, let's roll, tic-tac, let's go,
1: let's rock, let's roll. Ten seconds to go, 24-23 Saints, Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, field and left, Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket, he'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs, oh my god,
0: lose. oh my god, hey. 30, no Catch.
2: four stars, Minnesota's ten toes, no half hard, I'ma hit you with a move that you
0: can't guard. Tick tock, let's go! This is where your Climbing the Pocket Networks, personalities, and guests get together to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. So it's time to, let's go! Hey tick tock, let's go! Hey everybody, tick tock, let's go! Time for another Climb Into Pocket Network Roundtable, and we have representatives from all our shows gathered here tonight to talk your Minnesota Vikings. Right now, I'm going to turn it off to our leader over here, Mr. Jason Brown.
2: All right. Well, uh, well, thank you for that, David. Not sure I can match the intensity this evening, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best, and we are here. And we'll go around the table for some quick introductions real quick. I will be hosting this evening. My name is Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And I will head it over to my man, Nick Olson. How you doing, my man? How you doing? How are things? How's the wholesome life going over there in uh, <laughs> in, in, in New Jersey? it's It's going good, man. That was such an intense game.
3: And honestly, I didn't like enjoy living through it like i almost died at the end i was convinced we we're gonna lose till the very end um but the, the post-game glow is still
2: is still rolling so i'm feeling really good that was that was an awesome win good stuff good stuff and uh we have a new member joining us today you've probably read his work he does amazing analysis matt my man well hi jason how's it going thank you very much glad to be on
1: the show it was an
2: exhilarating win
1: uh honestly Um, The last time the Saints beat the Vikings in the playoffs, I was in an apartment, and it was 2 a.m. because I was in Switzerland, and there were two other people in the apartment who had to go to work the next day, so I could not make
2: any noise at all.
1: (laughs) So yesterday was a bit cathartic.
2: That's a a beautiful thing right there, beautiful thing, and uh, we're going to roll on over here to the most positive man on all of Vikings Twitter, my man Flip Mozzie. How you doing? I'm doing great. A W, just like we
4: all thought would happen.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, though. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I tried to grow out a beard over the holiday season, which uh. is hilarious because I'm African and I don't I don't <laughs> do facial hair. But I had the beard, and then I shaved that into a mustache for New Year's, and then oh. r- Sunday morning, or. Yeah, Sunday morning before the game, I just shaved that thing off. I was like, you look terrible, Flip. Get your act together. We got a game. And so I'm proud to report that the Vikings did not win a game while I had facial hair.
2: (laughs) And you know, all of that, while sounding very positive, could also be taken as a veiled set of subtweets at the next people that I'm going to hear. You know, (laughs) since we all thought we were going to win, Flip getting rid of the mustache. I mean, Mike, sounds like he might be talking about you a little bit. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. And th- that's fair. Uh, it's a fair criticism because, <laughs>
5: as all of you in this group know, I did ride the wave of emotion yesterday. <laughs> uh,
6: oh, you weren't really on the wave. Yeah, you were it was basically at the, the bottom of the down right.
5: Yeah, negativity. But uh, enjoying today immensely. It is always great to. Uh, you know, drink in a playoff win the very few times we've been able to do
2: so. Um yeah. Yeah. All right. And last but certainly not least, Ed. How you doing, sir?
6: Oh man, I tell you, you know, I'm a big guy, but who the hell needs to go to the gym when you got the Vikings <laughs> every Sunday? Jesus, man. I swear the heart rate must have been at a buck fifty for that entire whole last quarter in overtime. Jeez. I mean you know, it's, it's never that like no like moment to see. To see. I mean, look
4: at mike right now he's beaming he looks good with that stash man i can never <laughs> hope to replicate that one
6: he was gonna shave it i said that's no, a playoff
4: yeah. stash that's a playoff victory stash he,
5: he won't let me shave it now nope. until we you know nope. win the super bowl
2: so yeah, or...
6: yeah. Or... until we win a super bowl you can't shave <laughs>
2: it <laughs> well, let's hop into it let's talk a little bit about what went down because you know, going into this game, uh, I would say a large percentage of fans outside of maybe you know Flip and and a handful of other super optimistic people uh, around Vikingsland were, were were nervous to say the least going into this game. The Saints were um, a very good team on paper, and based on the way the Vikings have been playing in the weeks leading up to this game, they really hadn't given us given us many indications that if they matched up against the team. As good as the Saints that they'd be able to hang um, with them throughout the course of what we've seen this season but um, as our man Eric said on Twitter Zimmer pulled out a masterful performance and really pulled out some tricks that we hadn't seen yet this season and the Saints did not seem prepared for them Um, and so you know Matt we got you on here it's the first time on we're gonna let you lead us off kick us off help us understand what was it that went down in this game, and how did Zimmer switch things up to really, you know, get a lot of pressure on a quarterback whose season to date had not really been touched very much all all year long?
1: Sure. So I think there's a couple of things, and I mean, you look at the obviously the front seven, uh, the defensive line. Broadcast was pointing it out pretty consistently. Uh, in third down and long packages, so so rush packages, right? We're we're blitzing Breeze. Uh, we actually put all four of our defensive ends in the game. So we had, you know, uh front four of Weatherly, Odenabo, uh Griffin, and Hunter. And for the most part, when we ran that package, we had Griffin and Hunter run to the inside, uh, you know, blitz to the inside. Um, now, I, I would say I don't know how good of a job Hunter did blitzing from the inside, which we'll get to Hunter later because he had a fantastic game. Um as we're all aware, but uh, you know, Griffin was really fantastic on the inside. He was primarily going up against Andres Pete who came, was coming off of an injury for the game. So he probably wasn't full strength and he's probably the weakest link on the Saints line outside of that anyway Um, because they, they really have a fantastic offensive line when you look at it. But that wrinkle on third down really added some juice to the Vikings pass rush because as we've seen all season, our interior rush has not been good unless it's coming from a guy who typically plays edge. Uh, you know, Shamar Stefan doesn't really have anything in pass rush at all. He probably doesn't have a whole lot in run defense either. Uh involved you know, is a run stuffer. And really, Jalen Holmes and Hercules Matahafa, who were impressive in the preseason, A, didn't play a whole lot during the regular season, and B, weren't super impressive when they did. But then I think on the back end, you know, the big thing to note is how they used Andrew and who played a ton of snaps in the slot. Um, I think the Vikings did a really good job with their coverages, honestly, in terms of sticking with the saints defenders and also sticking with underneath coverage. Because if you look at a lot of the plays, you know, any, anything short, like if the saints had Michael Thomas matched up in the slot, they got him on bar a couple times. They got him on Sendejo a couple times, you know, and they'd go to him, but he really wouldn't be getting anything after the catch. So they kind of needed to shift him around a little bit. And they, he did get a couple of deeper outs later in the game, and you're not going to shut him down entirely. But I think the Vikings did a really good job in terms of forcing the Saints to run longer routes because they were doing a really good job rallying and tackling to the ball, um, with the exception of any time Taysom Hill was in the game. But uh, that's kind of a separate discussion i suppose and then you know they did a lot of interesting things up front uh so griffin really had a great game from the interior uh and then if you look at hunter i mean he destroyed ryan ramchick on multiple plays and ryan ramchick is a second team a well-deserved second team all-pro tackle like it's not like he was uh jack conklin a couple of years ago who kind of got shoved in there for was <laughs> who, getting chip up all the time like uh Ramchick did great this year, but Hunter beat him, and I don't know why it wasn't an all pro Yeah, Ramchick didn't give up the sack all year,
3: and he gave up two to Hunter, including that strip sack on Breeze, that really crucial one. So just a phenomenal. When you, when you take into account the, the strength of competition, Hunter and Griffin were going up against, it was insane. Um, the other guy, Armstead, is also a, a top-tier left tackle. He hadn't given up a sack either all year, so it was insane. They both got beat twice for a sack. Uh, so really did,
1: did Armstead get beat for a sack? Because Griffin's one sack was so I I just watched all the D line snaps. It was actually one of those uh, play actions where they pull the guard. So I think it was Larry Warford who gave up the sack on Griffin.
3: One of the I'm looking at PFF right now. One of okay. them was charged to Armstead. So okay, one of them was.
1: Um, oh, maybe it was did. the first one because Hunter beat Ramchick initially, and then. Griffin, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think that's it.
1: Because they, they. So both while you're looking at at that up, can, free, free can we just middle.
4: talk about that Hunter play? I mean, oh my, the goodness. guy. Which one? <laughs> well, both <laughs> well, of them, well, but the, the second one probably, probably. You just you talk about a guy who was drafted as a straight line pass rusher, didn't have a sack in college. And here you have that Zimmer-Edwards-Patterson magic. You sprinkle it on him. Now he's setting up all pro left tackles on the outside all game to come back on the inside on him at a key moment, use that long reach not just to, not just to hassle Breeze on the front end, but come around the backside and slap that arm with that right arm. It, it's just – it brings tears in my eyes almost. It's magnificent <laughs> to see a player take that journey in purple.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and Scolders, I need to get your thoughts here on, uh, on a man that we talked about a little bit, but not a whole lot here, an unsung hero in, uh, in Andrew Sandejo. What are your thoughts on his performance playing uh, a lot of snaps at a position that uh, if you'd asked me before the game or you'd said before the game, yeah, Andrew Sandejo is going to be your primary slot defender, I would have thought the game went a lot differently than it ended up actually going. So guess what are your thoughts on the performance that he was able to put forth for us yesterday?
6: I mean, I would have said we were absolutely screwed if, if you were to say Sandejo's going to be playing in the slot. I would say, okay, Jared Cook's going to get three touchdowns. Michael Thomas is going to go off for 400 yards up the middle. But, man, he played extremely well. I don't think you can you can see anything he did and, and, and see a huge flaw there. I think he played a very sound, clean game.
5: Yeah, and I, I mean, you, you look at – it's cliche, but you know, Zim's always been that next guy up. Uh, mentality and and to lose uh, Hughes late and and just you know kind of go into it really shorthanded.
6: Um, well, no, have but Hughes without Mac Alexander yeah, too. It,
5: it just an unsung hero, um, you know, a guy that uh, you know, unless you're a Vikings fan, you might not realize the impact that he actually had on this game, um, you know, nationally. Probably no one's talking about this, but uh, just a hell of a game by Sandejo.
6: I I will say this, though. It's probably not too surprising that Sandejo was the one that was put in the slot. Because if you look at the guys um, that would understand that position on the defense, Sandejo, Sandejo, who's been here for, what, six, seven, eight years, all through Zimmer's tenure, would know what that position needs to do in this defense the best. So... I guess I'm not really super surprised that he's the guy that they trusted to be put there and trusted him to be in the right position on a lot of these different coverages that they ran.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of trust, we'll, we'll flip this over. Cause I want to get Nick's take on, on something. It's been a player that, uh, many have been slow to trust Nick. though, uh, on the pocket protectors actually made what I would consider to be a credible argument for this man as uh, someone who could be in the MVP conversation, uh, Nick might have been the only person who was making an actually credible sounding argument at the time, but Mr. Kirk Cousins finally came out here in a big situation, and we're not going to lie and say this was his best game of the season. You know, when you look at the numbers after the fact, it's not anything over there when you look at the game in aggregate that's going to blow you away if you're just looking at the numbers, but Nick, help me understand, what are your thoughts on how this game went? Because early on, you were not impressed. Early on, you you were worried that we were going to be dealing with, with a Kurt situation, and uh, I, I guess by the end of the game, we got Kirky. Yeah, he was
3: pretty shaky this game, uh, at least to start out, and I was pretty concerned because he's—Kirk Cousins, as we all know, is really hot and cold, and games where he's bad, he tends to stay bad, and games where he's good, he tends to light it up the whole four quarters— um, so he started out, it was a little shaky at first. His first drop back is under heavy pressure, throws it into the dirt in front of Diggs. I was called back on penalty. He had another throw uh, a few plays later where um, he like overthrew Kyle Rudolph on a seam route, and it's just a really bad overthrow. Uh, if the safety had been there, it would have been interceptable. Um, just sort of completely missed it. But they got him going with some timing based, you know, three, five step, you know, West Coast backs where he just sort of. Um, gets into a rhythm, and that was good. And he started to get going. And I think by the second quarter, we started to see uh, what really made the difference, I think, in this game was Kirk Cousins was lights out on third down. Just, like, unbelievable. Like, every third down, it was like, oh, man, I think this drive is over. And then he'd hit Thielen on, like, a on a like a deep comeback or out or something. Um, so really phenomenal stuff. I think the reason, the, the nadir of my hope came, I think um, he had this coverage sack where it was, like, he, he must have had like three or four seconds to get rid of the ball, and he just sort of waited and stood in the pocket as like the, the the pocket collapsed in on him, and he just sort of like fell down. And I was like, oh no, oh no, this is the playoff. This is the playoff. Kirk Cousins were stuck with. Yeah. And then like I gotta follow the, the very next drive, he like throws uh, a pass to Kyle Rudolph, and he like throws it behind him, so it's like basically right at the defender, and it gets dropped. And I was like, this is this is not looking good. But he totally redeemed himself. Um, had a couple overthrows in the second quarter. But um, that's like all the negatives and the positives were a lot. I don't want to write in them too much. I'm just saying he did start out shaky, but he wound up as the highest grade quarterback of the entire wildcard games. So um, a really good performance, all things considered. Um, And he was kind of snake bitten by bad luck. Like um, the Thielen fumble, that uh, that would have been a really good play. That was a nice in rhythm throw um, for a lot of yak that Thielen just coughed up. And then there were three bad drops that, um, really i think changed uh a lot of the ways we look it was there was that downfield throw to to Thielen in the middle of the field uh, looked like a deep over route that he just sort of, Thielen just sort of sat on um and Thielen just dropped it um but that was like a bullet and then there was that deep throw to Hollins, i think on like a seam route and and that i i don't know if i call that a drop because that was a really tough throw to bring in it was sort of it was sort of a catch if he brought in, you'd be like, wow, that was an amazing catch. I love this dude, but uh, it was kind of contested. So he didn't bring it in, but that would have been amazing. And then there, there was another drop later in the game. So, but that aside, you know, he starts making all these third down conversions and then you get that ridiculous throw to Adam Thielen downfield on third and nine or something in the, I want to say it was the third quarter um, where he doesn't even see the slot blitz coming. The guy comes in absolutely drills him like as bad as you've seen any quarterback get drilled by like an unaware like slot corner um and just chucks up a prayer and I don't even know how like the ball was in the direction of Adam Thielen like but he throws it up and Lattimore gets totally roasted by Thielen's route like Thielen comes out he stems to the outside so Lattimore sort of turns his hips outside and then Thielen like works back so now Lattimore's like "Uh uh-oh where is he and then Thielen like does it so he like crosses over three times and then by the time the throws up in the air like Lattimore literally turns around like being like where did everything go and Thielen's coming down with the ball so that was an incredible throw and then obviously like the kind of the career defining biggest throw of Kirk Cousins life was that that first down shot in overtime to Adam Thielen which was just perfectly placed like could not have been I mean I I guess it was a little bit over to a little but but like in Thielen hit Thielen in stride uh, you know just a yard too shy of the of the goal line and then hit Rudy on the on the goal line fade so I I think you look at the entire body of work, it was like, it started out shaky, but man, he really, he really redeemed himself and had one heck of a game. Um And for all the narratives, he can't beat a winning team. He can't beat on someone on the road. You know, his record against like 12 and plus teams was like zero and like 13 or something. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, like the juggernaut, the behemoth, this was David versus Goliath. And and Kirk Cousins came through in the end and uh really showed even like the clutch narrative, like, you don't you couldn't get more clutch than Kirk Cousins was in this game. So, all those narratives are completely shattered and we're going into the 49ers as like a completely different team with a completely
2: different reputation. All right, Ed, hop in here. You uh, you seem very anxious. Do you still remember cuz Nick kept going yeah. for a while.
6: <laughs> so so Jason, you said this was probably not his best game as a pro. I wouldn't make a heavy argument that this was 100% his best game of his career because he, like Nick said, he started out kind of shaky, but then he got in that rhythm. He got going, which we hadn't seen this year. He made some really, really wild throws that I think we'd be surprised, even if guys like Drew Brees or prime Tom Brady or you know some of these higher end quarterbacks would make like that throw to Thielen. Like that's not a throw you get from a Vikings quarterback unless it's Brett Favre in 2009. Like that—that's an incredible throw. So the stuff he was doing, the clutch stuff he was doing, this was his best game of his career, period. Um, and if we can get anywhere close to this in the next few playoff games, hopefully more than one playoff games, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit on this offense what it can do.
2: To be clear yeah. on the point I was making is that if somebody came that wasn't as invested in this team as us and didn't watch the game and just yeah. went and looked at the box score. They wouldn't think that this game was something that was anything particularly impressive. However, as captured by PFF and those of us who watched the game, it was a great performance by Kirk Cousins, which, you know, by most measures, things that I've been looking at, Cap, not Cap, continue what has been a great season to date from Kirk Cousins. So it was it was nice to have him have that moment on this stage because he's been playing very well all season, and unfortunately, just, there's been some some highly publicized games in which yeah. you know the variance went the other way for him. So it was awesome to see things really you know work out in the end for Kirk Cousins on the stage in this game, and also getting to knock out the Saints uh, to boot just made it all the sweeter from my perspective. So uh, you,
6: just, you just what you got to do is you just got to start the backup on the Monday games, and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Uh, so one
1: more thing on Kirk Cousins. I th- I feel like uh, something you brought up, Nick, is is really important kind of when you talk about him in that, you know, on that first, I think it was a third and eight where he took that bad sack. Right. And I don't I didn't see the all 22. So I don't know if there was anything open downfield or whatever. But I feel like Kirk under pressure, you know, he's he's typically not great. And I think where he gets himself into trouble is when he holds on to the ball for too long. I think, you know, if you see him in games like against the Packers in week two or something like that, you know, he's trying to hold on to the ball for too long or he's completely abandoning any hope of going deep right in this. And I think uh, previously we've kind of seen him get stuck in that mindset for entire games where he's not able to dig himself out of it. And, you know, I feel like that was Kirk early in this football game, right, where he was kind of in that get things out quickly mindset, kind of don't make the mistake to lose the football game. Right. And then he was able to turn it around. I think maybe we kind of had this in the Broncos game earlier this year. Right. Because that was the first game where I felt honestly good about this Vikings team, you know, and it kind of flagged off at the end there. But. That game made you feel good because I can't think of a time, uh, yeah, honestly, since the Brett Favre year where I felt like this team could come back from a large deficit. Like, you know, if this team gets down early, they're going to have an opportunity to come back. And that Denver game really made a made a huge difference, right? Um, I think in the mentality of this football team, I, and I think for Kirk to see him kind of rise from – struggling early on that's
2: huge right and and flip that that actually that builds on something that you actually said you know earlier in the season um and it's a team that seems to have continued where um and it's something eric even pointed out when we talked about kirk's performance last year in terms of his turnover worthy plays and how much negative epa would come from the mistakes that kirk made versus this season where kirk isn't just making those really big horrible mistakes that cost you a game uh as, as we move forward uh, so, Flip, can you, just, can you can you give us a little bit on, on your take in terms of what you've seen from Kirk Cousins in terms of him raising his floor um, from what we've seen from past years of Kirk Cousins?
4: Yeah, it's undoubtedly a higher floor. And, you know, you can go all the way back to week two against the Packers where he threw that terrible interception. And after the game, talking to Mike Zimmer, Zimmer's main takeaway from that mistake was this is about coaching. This is about coaching up a player to do what's asked of him. And we can gripe about how Kirk played in the earlier parts of the game. He definitely was tight. But by not taking those shots, it's almost a, a Zimmer Stefanski directive to take care of the football. For better or for worse, he's doing what's asked for him. That, that ties into his box score. If you look at just his regulation before overtime, I think he's something like 15 for 26 and 190 yards. And that's not great. Again, it's what's asked of him. So what was beautiful about this game is he's putting all that together. He's raising his floor. He's keeping his team in the game. And then at the end of the day, you're not looking at a great stat line. He wasn't necessarily
2: good, but he did what was asked of him, and he was clutch. So, Flip, I know it's something that we've talked about and we've gone kind of back and forth on. Um, When it was time to win the game, they put the ball in Kirk's hand. They trusted him to go out and do that. Um, And like Mm -hmm. you said, from a coaching perspective, we very often will start the game, or it seems anyway, um, as maybe Kirk has been coached to be a bit more conservative early on in the game. I guess, what are your thoughts, especially as we continue to go in these games where we're going to be underdogs, about – Trusting Kirk earlier on and maybe trying to be the team that's playing from the front versus you're know, playing in these games where it is because uh, I mean this Vikings team has scored, they can they can score points on good defenses because we are just a very talented you know, offensive team. We have Stefan Diggs, we have Adam Thielen, we have Kyle Rudolph, we have Irv Smith, we have Dalvin Cook, you can get out in space. What are your thoughts about you know what many will say about try to get Kirk in a rhythm earlier? Let's start. You know, getting this thing going, putting the ball in Kirk's hand a little bit earlier, get him in a rhythm, take some of those shots and really start to put the pressure on the other team earlier on in the game. So that um, maybe it doesn't come down to Kirk Cousins picking up, you know, almost, you know, 30 percent of his yardage on 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 a play in overtime to hopefully win the game.
4: Yeah. In general, I agree. You know, I'm always a fan of leaning on Dalvin Cook just because of the playmaker that he is. Uh, in this specific game, I think that's what they tried to do. You look at an er- first down, first play of the game, it's a pass play. They're going for it. You look at how that drive's going, and it was only the feel and fumble that really stopped that early momentum trying to get Kirk involved. In the fourth quarter, that's definitely, even for me, way too conservative of an approach trying to sit on the lead and, and run the ball like they did. Uh, and, and especially when you're doing it over four drives like that, it's not ideal. You want Kirk to throw the ball there, so it, it's it's not so much the the run versus pass play calling. I completely agree that the Vikings should be passing more in that situation. It is it's about when they do drop back to pass. It maybe it's okay to have Kirk go short to long in his progression sometimes instead of going long to short, start a rhythm. And then another thing I've noticed about these Vikings, these 2019 offense, is we love the deep shots, but they're very specific about when they take them. And the down and distance is something they pay close attention to. They're not fans of taking a deep shot on second and 15, for example, but they're also very specific about where they are on the field, the field position for where they take those deep shots. So when they're between the 40s, let's say just across midfield or approaching midfield, that's when you see the ball going deep to Diggs and Thielen. And if they're backed up against their own 30,
2: they're a lot less likely to take those deep shots. All right. Well, well, flip. We're transitioning here. Obviously we're coming off a, a huge win for the team, but uh, you know, we have less than ideal situation coming up for us here. Shorter week, number one seed. You're our man. You're our optimist. I need you to, to get us hyped up. Help me understand uh, why things are going to go the way we want them to go this week. And then the last thing is I want you to flip it over to Mike to let him know what his penance needs to be for uh, for, for for all of what was going down as he was riding the wave of emotions in the group chat on uh, on, on Sunday. You was so in a you... glass cage
6: of emotion! <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you want to start this uh, you want me to start this 49ers preview? I, I need it. I need you to help me. Un- I need you to make me believe, Flip. You, you are the one who is unwavering at all times. Make me believe that this next week is going to go even better than the last one
4: man it's monday it's victory Monday, and i i knew i knew we were gonna get into it already and i honestly i was just i was like 15 seconds i was like okay san francisco 49ers and i was still i'm still just so so emotional after that win i it took me like 30 minutes to think of a single 49ers player i was like 49ers and i i couldn't even comprehend it uh let me say this The narrative going into that game, into the New Orleans game, was 100% underdog. The narrative after the game, and this is what I'm thinking from Mike Zimmer's perspective, is the game ends. And what's the first thing the people say? People say, we didn't deserve to win offensive pass interference. The game ends. Even later on Twitter, people are saying, maybe New Orleans should have gotten another possession in overtime. It's not fair that the Vikings were able to win the game without the Saints touching the ball. They didn't deserve to win. We're the only wild card team that's playing on short days rest. Everybody else is getting at least seven days. We're getting six days. Again, we're seven-point underdogs going into San Francisco. So we go into New Orleans, we pull off that upset, and what do we get back? We get no respect at all. They still doubt us. They're talking about the bunk-ass Cowboys, Mike McCarthy on Monday when we just pulled off that game, there's no respect. They still doubt us. So what do we have to do? We have to go out there and put some respect on our name. The only way to do that is by winning. And we hit them over the heads with wins until they remember your name. They remember the 2019 Minnesota Vikings.
2: There we go. I am ready, Flip. I am ready.
6: Where's the wall I gotta run through?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and you can't forget the second part now, Flip. I mean, we gotta figure out what, what what's penance for Mike for 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 doubting? Yeah, I guess it was the first quarter. I feel like it was the first quarter. Mike was like, I'm going grocery going shopping. The
6: first half.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me just ask you, Mike.
4: This is your penance. I just want to ask you, what was the moment when you started believing again? Was it the very last play? Was it the feeling catch? When were you like, okay?
5: So funny, funny you asked this, but with uh, the group I was with, it it was the moment was when we were up 10 with about, I think, 12 minutes to go in the second half. And for once, I started thinking rationally about, you know, when you when you're ahead by double digit points in the NFL with that much time left, statistically, you're going to win a lot of football games. Um, And I just tried to think of it from a rational standpoint and take out the fandom of the ways that we've lost games that, you know, we've been in that situation before in big time spots and I tried to separate the two. Um, And I think from that point on, uh, I had a little bit of positivity certainly more than I did in the first half. Um, So I would say that that was probably the point just realizing you're ahead by double digits with not a lot of time left in this football game defense is playing well. Let's just finish
4: the job. All, all right. right. Well, you're absolved. I mean, we we're going to need you, man, because we're going to be in those situations again. I'm I I can feel the positivity
5: and the energy through the screen <laughs> right now. So I am i am I've seen the light. I'm going
2: positive. One hundred percent. I'm in. Let's go all back right. to you, Jason. We're, we're, we're writing this down. And uh, <laughs> Ed, Ed, I'll flip it to you. At what point in next week's game will all of what Mike said be a complete and total lie? <laughs> <laughs> uh by the second series probably okay all right and ed, ed i know you know we're, we're basking in the glow we have another game you know people are building kurt cousins statues after that throw uh just you know you're our resident cap expert if you had to right now how much money are you paying kurt cousins after what he did there and is that game even something that's swaying your opinion
6: That's 100% sway in my opinion. I think right now he's earned the contract. You look at some of the games this year, um, what he's done, uh, certainly a lot of the losses this year, you really couldn't put all on him. Um, Some of those belong to the defense. Some of those playmakers didn't really uh, show up. So uh, I think he's played very consistently. You look at last year, he also played fairly consistently. Uh, Didn't have the great circumstances, didn't have the great play calling um, in 2018. But Still a very consistent quarterback. It seems like he's turned that corner on some of these big games, and he's able to calm down the way we need him to in some of these big games. Um, so he, I think he's earned every bit of an extension. Right now, I'd be looking at, based on the contracts, if you're going to extend them this offseason, I'm adding on three years, $100 million. Um, I try to really get away from that fully guaranteed. I try to make it um 70, 75 million, $75 guaranteed on that. Uh, I just... I. <laughs> I would hate to do that if I'm a cap guy. I give him the, the fully guaranteed again, but you already opened that Pandora's box. You're probably gonna have to give it to him. But three years, hundred million, that puts him in like top four range or so, which is about right for what uh, what Spielman does on in house contracts. So you uh, think you got three more years to it? You spread the cap out a little bit, try to get some relief in 2020, try to redo this thing and, and hit it again next year as well.
2: Okay, so we're gonna do we're gonna wrap this up with some rapid fire, Nick. I'm going to need you to get in here. You gave us a bit of a quick breakdown of what we should expect from uh, this 49ers defense in the matchup. But what I need, and uh, so Nick will go first and give all the rest of you a chance here to come up with your answers. Who is going to be the unsung hero of this game? When you kind of look at the matchups, you're looking around the board there. Who's the player that maybe we're not thinking about right now? Who's uh, going to come out and, and have a big game based on how you see these teams matching up? That's a good question. Yeah.
3: Um, It's funny. Shanahan's offense is so similar to Spansky's. They're both very unique offenses, but like side by side, you know, they both love the fullback. They both love the 21 personnel. They both love to use the tight ends. They both love to look multiple and make it look like they're going to run, run, run the ball. And then they pass it over you. And a lot of play action. Um, So, so they're very similar offenses. I think, um, you know, San Francisco's defense is so freaking talented. Um, just like all over, The defensive line might be the most talented in football. They've got Sherman. They got a great um, deep safety for their Legion of Blue, Legion of Boom style cover three scheme. Um, um, but if if it's like the last time we played the 49ers, where Diggs and Sherman is is a big matchup, then I think Thielen might be able to feast a little bit in this lot uh, if we if we rely on him. Same way he kind of feasted this week. So. Um, Maybe that's not that sneaky of a pick because he just went off for over 100 yards, but um, I think we're not really – he's kind of had a quiet year after the injury and after nursing the injury for a little bit, but now he's clearly pretty healthy. So um, I think he might be the one to wreak some havoc on the 49ers' volunteer defense. Um, And then on the defensive side, uh, it's tough because they've got so many different ways they can attack you and, and, you know, Juszczyk and Kittle and – Um, it'll be really interesting to see what Zimmer's game, you know, Zimmer's coming off one of the best game plans of his life. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see, um, because he's got his work just as much cut out for him as he did with the Saints, as he does with the 49ers, how you slow George Kittle. Do we see more curse this week? Maybe that's the matchup he goes to. Um, Do we see Sendejo still in the slot? Um, All I know Shanahan's like planning his machinations to, to, to ruin things. So um, if in terms of, how you beat that, I don't know. I feel like they want to disguise coverages, so maybe we'll see more of Ann Harris um, with, like, the, the heroic interceptions because he's a really good robber. He makes really quick reads when he's sort of a, a cover four, cover two safety. He breaks on the ball really well. I feel like every inter- he leads the NFL interceptions now with his wild-card interception, and every interception it has, it feels like he's high-pointing it, like he's, you know, uh, a, a possession receiver or something. It's, like, full extension, so... Um, he's he's got a crazy catch radius so maybe we'll see him ball hawking and that'll come up with a big play
2: awesome matt same question to you who do you expect uh, to be the people we're talking about after we win uh, next week all right so on offense
1: <laughs> i think uh <laughs> nick almost uh <laughs> fell down I'm there alive. i
3: guess
1: <laughs> i'm alive <laughs> <laughs> all right we didn't lose one um yeah, so on, a, on offense is taking me a little while. I think uh Thielen's a pretty good choice there. Um I guess if you want to go unsung hero, the only other real good options I think are gonna be on your offensive line. And they they really could be an unsung hero of this past game as well. Um I think they only the Vikings only allowed eight pressures and four of them were on non were on skill position players, so uh, Vikings really allowed a very limited number of pressures. So maybe the offensive line is a hole on the offense because uh, particularly the 49ers' defensive line is uh, pretty fierce. Um, on defense, I think I have to go with Anthony Barr. Um, I think you look back to what happened in the Rams game last year and you see how a an offensive mind at the top of his game was kind of able to exploit matchups against the Vikings defense. And obviously we changed the defense up significantly after that, we changed the checks and that sort of thing. But Kyle Shanahan is so good at getting mismatches for guys like George Kittle. He's so good at using Kyle Juszczyk. He's so good at creating the run game. Somebody like Anthony Barr, who has had a very good year. He hasn't had the year Eric Kendricks has had, which Eric has been elite, obviously first team all pro, but He's a guy who you could see targeted just because Kendricks is so lights out and he might need to step up. I also think, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of mistake prone. He's not the perfect quarterback, right? Like he's when when the 49ers have lost games this year, it's because he's made mistakes. And even in games they've won, he's made some costly mistakes that their defense has bailed him out. Um, So I think if you get on the defensive line, you know, obviously we have. Griffin and Hunter, but, you know, somebody like a Fadi Adenabo who's really played extremely well in the limited snaps he's seen could come up with a big sack on a third and long or something like that. He almost got one on breeze last week, you know, and Hunter and Griffin were kind of feasting, but if Hunter and Griffin push a guy into him or something like that, he could come up with a big
2: play. Awesome. Okay. Ed, give me someone on offense. Mike, give me someone on defense.
1: I mean, you you just
6: had to go and take my o line picks, man. What the heck? Just,
2: oh, well, I just well, you, you it. can
1: choose a specific one. I was too cowardly to choose I love one guy. guy. I,
6: I, I love more. I, I can't choose just one. It's like trying to choose a favorite child. I mean, it's just I can't do it. Um, but we, but I do have a least favorite child. I, I think we all know who that is. Oh, fine, obviously. But um, no, I think I think Irf Smith. I think I think that's the guy I'd be watching all for in this game. Um, We're going to have to get creative. This is a a very big challenge for us to to deal with this defensive front. They they play good coverage. I think they're top three in coverage grade on PFF. So um, there's going to be limited chances. And the one guy that's probably going to be free mostly because you have a healthy digs, a healthy feeling going on. You have Cook they're going to be keen on is going to be some of these tight ends. And everyone knows what Kyle Rudolph can do. He can get you at the point of catch. Doesn't matter what you're doing to him. But Irv Smith's this wild card that they might not be paying much attention to. So end of this game, it might come down to a couple third down catches by Irv Smith to keep drives going that uh, end up winning this game for us. Fairness.
5: You. Uh you know, I was gonna go Irv Smith on the offensive side anyway. So but do you, we, but do you gotta go defense? Go defense, like, defense. Yeah. Um I, I think Nick's right with the Anthony Harris. Um, but if, if, if I'm going to go a little bit different there, let's talk a little about Everson Griffin um, coming off a, a hell of a game. Um, and I think he's playing for, you know, a, a lot more than just this game. It's a guy right. that they're already talking about restructuring, where he's going to end up next year. And um, just the motor and what we've seen from him at times this year, I think he's really going to bring it. Um, this is the kind of game he can get up for and and really make an impact. We saw it last week. So, um, Maybe we're talking about him with another few sacks next week. Uh, Force fumble. Um, watching out for Ev.
6: I, I mean, hell, our, our entire playoff slogan is from one of his clips. You know, if you want it, go get it. Go get it. Um, I will do one honorable mention. Xavier Rhodes. Okay. Phenomenal game. So just watch out for him, too. He could, he could continue this with a little bit of confidence behind him. I think he could, could make some waves.
2: So. All right. Flip, bring us home. Bring us home. Uh, you know... It's been a
4: pleasure, y'all, not just tonight, but watching that game, knowing that all oh, y'all, we're all cheering for the same result. And we got another one on Saturday. That's the best part. The football continues. We don't have to talk about bullshit, Mike Zimmer, you know, status or what they're going to do in the offseason. There's no mock drafts going on right now. So I, I mean, I mean, Jr. just dropped one, I think, today. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> of course, he did, but you yeah, know. but but they don't know but what you know. we're picking yet, is
6: what he's saying.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no Tyler Johnson hype just yet, just yet. But we got another game, and so got to get up for it. Like I said, they still doubt us. The only way to do it is the hard way, so we'll do it the hard way. I think one thing that's working in our favor is San Francisco, an amazing team built by Mike Shanahan and and John Lynch but this is really the first playoff game they have some veterans you know you've got a you got a Richard Sherman in their backfield this is their first playoff game and 2015 was tough 2017 was tough but those games under Mike Zimmer have created a team that has some playoff experience now So that's another thing. Maybe all the matchups don't work in our favor, but we've got a strong chance to, to, with the underdog role, show our experience in the playoffs, show that we're continued to be prepared for these big games and execute in these big games where San Francisco,
2: they may not be ready for the moment. I hope we are. Awesome. And and that is it. And uh, gentlemen, as always, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making time. Listeners, viewers, thanks for sticking with us here and then checking this thing out. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to our director. Any last words, David?
0: Absolutely. Hey, and you want to talk about keys to the game? I do believe, like Ed said, it's going to be the veterans that make the difference. They have the experience. And as uh, Whitehorse, I'd pull out Anthony Barr. He, had, he got a little hurt last year. And this year, he'll make up the difference.
2: All right, can and I, Dave, I just, David, lastly like last question. Uh, what, what, were you, what are you sipping on this evening? I mean, that's really the most important question of the entire <laughs> show. And I can't believe I, I waited to this long, but what, what are you sipping on this evening?
0: It's a Fuller ESB. It is imported from England. It is a bitter ale. It's an acquired taste. I grew up when I was stationed over there, absolutely fell in love with it. So it's, it's just one of those things of life that is wonderful. Oh, man.
4: All right, so get let's get ourselves so a sponsorship
2: jealous.
0: deal. <laughs> no, I'm lose. doing
4: sober January. I watched that game yesterday, dead sober.
0: Killing me. Killing me. Not me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well, all right,
2: there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is a wrap. That means rock